Welcome everyone to the Berkeley Center for Law and Technology's Expert Series podcast. This is Wayne Stacy, the Executive Director for BCLT. And today I have Natika Fiorella from Fish and Richardson joining us. Uh, Natika, thank you for, for joining us today. And I, I wanted to, to lead off with the fact that you had a, a very successful federal circuit outcome. Um, you'll be too modest to, to brag about it. But it was a it was an impressive win and a very interesting win. Uh, before we talk about that, I think it's important to know who the client was and what that industry is. So, would you at least set the background for us? Sure, happy to. And uh, thank you, Wayne, for having me on. Very excited to be here. So, uh, our client in this case is Comores, which is a global chemical company. Um, it traces its roots back over 200 years uh, to the start of the DuPont Company, actually, which is a relatively household name, especially here in the Northeast. Um, it's uh, both Comores and DuPont are headquartered in my hometown of Wilmington, Delaware. But since separating from DuPont, uh, Comores really created a name for itself as a world leader in really a host of different industries, uh, ranging from everything from automotives, paints, plastics to things like electronics, um, energy, you know, the list goes on and on. They are, they're really a company of innovation through chemistry. And, you know, that for me has been something that's been very exciting to get to work with a client like that, you know, who's just so their technology is, is so important to so many things that are essential in society. You know, they, they do things like make semiconductors, but they also help to fight climate change. Um, so it's really just a very exciting company and it's a really exciting client for a patent litigator, you know, to, to really be involved with um, and help them protect their many inventions and innovations in, in a lot of fields. Well, and in this particular case, the, the federal circuit reversed a, a PTAB finding, which is somewhat rare in itself. Uh, but in this case, the, the Federal Circuit didn't even remand, which is even even more rare. Uh, Federal Circuit goes through uh, several different reasons, but the one I wanted to focus on today was the, the secondary indicia portion of the Federal Circuit decision and, and to some degree what the, the PTAB had to say. I mean, as anybody that litigates patent know, patents uh, knows, wins on secondary indicia are, are almost non-existent these days. Uh, but this was a win on secondary indicia. So can you tell us how how the case developed and why this was different? Sure, yes. Um, so I, I think, you know, as you mentioned, uh, getting the federal circuit to go against the, the PTAB is extremely difficult. So I, um, I clerked at the federal circuit, you know, I've seen many of these cases come up and as you mentioned, just just getting the federal circuit to disagree with the patent office is, is hard. Getting it to reverse instead of remand is extremely rare. And getting it to do it on the basis of secondary considerations in particular um, is, is definitely something we were very excited to see. And um, I think can be a good um, guidance point, I guess, for future cases on secondary indicia. Um, so, so how we got here, well, when we got the board decision, um, we really wanted to look at, just like any good appellate lawyer does, really look at what are the legal issues that 
stand out to us that maybe the board didn't get quite right. And you know, when we were doing that analysis, I had been involved in this case throughout the entire process. So you know, I was very familiar with the facts. And so when we were digging into the board opinion, what really stood out was the board's analysis of our really significant um, evidence of objective indicia. And we had a lot of it. So it's, it's not always the case in PTAB um, IPR cases or post-grant review cases where the patent owner does put in the real world evidence to show that this invention is that it, it's a real invention. And we did that because we had it. And, you know, we were really proud of our client and our product and we had a lot to show for it. So before the PTAB, we, we put in evidence of our commercial success, you know, the sales figures over the years since our product came on the market, we had information from customers saying how great this product was and how it really revolutionized the way that they made their products, their end products. Um, and so we had, we had a lot of great stuff, but the board didn't really dig in. So what we noticed in the board's opinion was that it kind of gave it um, lip service to say, and it, it, it didn't really evaluate it under the correct legal standard. And so that, that was our in, right? We knew this is just not right on the law. We think that this is gonna get traction with the federal circuit. So how are we gonna get them to pay attention to this case given how hard it is to, to, to overturn a PTAB case to begin with? Um, and so what we really focused on was the nexus requirement. Um, so I can talk a little bit about that particular issue first and then you know get into some of the others. But the nexus requirement is essentially just this idea that if you are going to rely on real world evidence to try and show that your invention is actually an invention, um, you have to tie it to what's in the patent. It, it makes sense. It's, it's a, you know, a proposition that everyone needs to show in order to make sure you're not just using sales figures that have nothing to do with your invention to, to show commercial success. Um, but what the board did was just look at it in through the wrong lens. And that's what we really hammered home to the federal circuit. Um, the board essentially said, well, this unique polymer of yours, yes, it has these three different properties, but there, was, there were other patents available at the time of your invention that talked about at least one of those properties or maybe another property. So if you kind of piece all of those things together, voila, now you've got all three of these properties of this polymer and there's no nexus to all of this, you know, success you're seeing in the marketplace. So what we, what we did is, is we really focused on that issue and we tried to show the federal circuit that can't be right. It can't be right that you're going to look at individual features and try and find them in patents or papers you know, in the prior art, as opposed to looking at the invention as a whole. Um, and, you know, I, I think what the federal circuit said in the opinion was, was really telling, and it was kind of the point we were trying to get at. All inventions, to some extent, are combinations of, of known things from before, right? We, we live in a sophisticated world. Almost everything is just kind of an improvement on something else. It's rare that you find an invention that's you know, completely new with, with no previous background or, you know, nothing 
in the art beforehand. Um, and so what we saw the board's decision as doing was essentially making it impossible, um, at least very, very difficult to show a nexus in just about any obviousness case. And uh, we really hoped that that would get the federal circuit's attention and they would want to, to correct that or at least clarify that. And um, you know, we were lucky enough that that is part of the reason I think that the federal circuit took an interest in the case and obviously came out our way on it, which was very exciting. Well, it struck me as interesting that the, the board is so aggressive in an obviousness analysis of requiring you to look at the whole claim and they'll ding people very quickly for looking at limitation by limitation for an obviousness analysis. But it seems like the board set that aside and just went after the limitation by limitation rather than the, the whole claim uh, because it was maybe easier for them in this particular situation. Yeah, that's uh, it's definitely something to always keep an eye out in these types of cases um, because there is that tension a lot of times. And what we see is you know, the purpose of the secondary considerations or this real world evidence is to protect against hindsight, right? I mean, we do have to put ourselves back however many years and try to figure out what would people have known. And it's a lot easier when you see it all today to be like, yeah, somebody would have known that, you know, this is not that big of a deal. And this real world evidence helps to prevent you from like falling in that trap. So I think what we sometimes see is if people have already made up their mind before they get to the real world evidence, it's it's harder to to really engage with it. And I think that's why the federal circuit has been, um, you know, very careful to say you have to consider this evidence because there are going to be some cases like this one where the evidence is powerful and um, and it has to be, you know, given its due weight. Um, obviously. I think we had really great arguments on the what's called the prima facie part of it, right? So just showing that our invention was very different from the patent that they had showed before. Um, but it's a combination package. And you know, the board in particular on this issue, we felt was just not kind of playing by the legal rules and evaluating it in the way it needed to be evaluated. Well, the, the board had a, another ruling that I think the federal circuit was somewhat uh, upset with, and it seemed that the, the, the PTAB tried to establish a, a bright line rule that said to prove, well, you had to prove market share to show commercial success. And the federal circuit didn't take kindly to that. Right, exactly. That was uh, one of the other points that really stuck out for us when we were reviewing the board's decision. Um, you know, I, I understand the desire to kind of have a, a uh, rubric to, to evaluate evidence against. Um, but in this case, you know, we actually had case law we could point to that says you don't need market share evidence in order to show commercial success. You know, there might be cases where that is necessary. Um, it could depend on the industry. It might depend on what you define the market to be. Right, there, there might be cases where you do need to show more than, hey, we were able to sell this product, we sold it at a price premium and people still bought it. You might need to show more than that in some cases. But I think where, where we really wanted to put the emphasis was by showing that the requirement 
of that type of evidence without an analysis of why it was necessary in this case is where is where I think that the board kind of went a little too far. And another place then that the Fed Circuit was able to say, let's let's give people some guidance on this. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons they made this decision precedential, right? They want people to know what types of rules are good and okay, and which ones you can't um, you can't enforce so strictly, and you need to have a little bit more rationale behind. So it seems that the the big takeaway from this is that secondary indicia uh, in your levels of proof are still difficult. This is not going to be for every case. You've got to have the right case. You've got to have the right technology. Um, and it requires a lot of effort to get the facts in the case. But these two rulings, I guess, help make sure the, the PTAB will, will hear that evidence and give it proper weight. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, um, some things to think about when you're considering what to do when you're a patent owner in a PTAB case is how much can I do? If, if I can put forth so much evidence that it's impossible for the board to ignore, then, you know, you're going to be in, in, in a real good place. So double, you know, triple check all of your facts, give as much proof as you can for Nexus, um, try to show as much information as you can in order to really push the board or whoever the fact finder is to pay attention to it. And I think that that is always really, you know, it's a good practice point and it's helpful. And um, you can't really go wrong by doing your due diligence in that way. Well, again, congratulations. Um, a, a, rare, a rare win on a very difficult topic. Um, so thank you for your time today. And I appreciate it very much. Thank you.